receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. <laughs> hey, great garlic. Um, hey, no. I was just very excited to find my recorder so that we can have over the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, as you probably saw, I have three interviews from, I saw that. Uh, I saw that. from Stanley Comic Con. Realized, recorded everything, and then we got back and things got you know got crazy. And I'm like, I never uploaded that. I never talked. Do you, I had stuff from Comic Con. Do you put your earbuds in when you record? Yeah. Okay. Because you're 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 a little loud on the recording. You're a little slightly overmodulating. So well, it was very. Li- it was. Very I could tell loud. it was noisy, and you're probably trying to be heard above the the sound too. So it was a you know, Comic Con in San Diego has been in loud places, but never as loud. I, I don't know what it is about that center or the way it was laid out. You know that it was just. I think it was because most of the of the places that I maybe because it was so so spacious uh-huh. you know you go to san diego and there's all these booths and everything is tightly packed and there's somebody there are there are people absorbing sound <laughs> but if it wasn't <laughs> the line but you know I mean, I mean seriously if it wasn't the line for the pop vinyl <laughs> you know, the, everybody was in that line nobody was wandering the floor and it, and all the people that i talked to were on the opposite end from the stage so it was a huge cavernous thing. I mean, there was. It, you think that there are a lot of very soft people there. They'd absorb more sound. So you would think, but no, no, <laughs> you're, you're 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 mocking our people. Oh no, I'm I'm appreciating their superpowers. Yes, well, and let's appreciate their superpowers tonight and talk. Let's take this opportunity to talk about things that really matter, nerd stuff, and not talk about. Things happening in the world. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on, hey, it's an actual Wednesday. Uh, it is. December 6th, the the first podcast of December, making the, you know, the counting down to the last. What number is this, Rick? You'll have to oh, you would, too, yeah. It's, no, it's uh, okay. Let's not stop there, but just know we're getting close to 590, blah, 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 blah. Sure, we still can't get haven't scheduled five hundred, but we know it's going to happen. You know what we'll probably do is like four ninety three five hundred one. Okay, you know, and then do five hundred is a big thing. But anyway, across from me, we are doing this virtually for, by the magic of Skype from Los Angeles, where I'm surrounded by fire to San and, Jose, uh, where I'm surrounded by equipment, books. <laughs> <laughs> Identify yourself, then, sir. I am Rick Brett Snyder. Podcast producer extraordinaire, and we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. But first, of course, of course, I want to mention that if you are listening to us on your favorite podcatcher, do rate us, review us, tell your friends. 
uh, Stitcher, which we are carried on, is going to come back around for a story later tonight. So, you know, there's another one. If you would prefer to listen to us on Stitcher, that's fine. But know that each and every podcast, of course, does have a page on Fanboy Planet. So that if there's anything that you hear us talk about that you wish, usually books, DVDs, so forth, that you would like to own for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, you can use the handy-dandy Amazon link. Uh, that is on Amazon search boxes on every page. And sometimes there are direct links and you go through that way and a little bit of money comes back to fanboy planet as well as through think geek, which we are affiliated with. Of course, this week there was the cutesy rolls pillows that they launched for star Wars. I'm looking at them right now. They're cutesy, aren't they? Oh, they, they look like, they look like they should be like have a soft cake filling. Hmm. But they do look very soft, and I, yeah. I was tempted to throw to get one for the couch. We shall see. Yeah, but you hey, can use hey. the direct link there, and of course we get a small bit back as well as affiliates of that. And you're going to say, hey, hey, so is there hey. some other product you want to throw in? No, 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 no. You, you, you tossed off the whole thing about being surrounded by fire, and uh, you know you're in L.A. right now, and for histor- history's sake, you're what's the name of the fire down there? There's there's three of them now. I can't keep track. Yeah, there's three fires, and one was threatening six flags, and I was going to say six flags out of danger, which uh, I, I don't know. But I, you know what I suspect it is. So I, I do want to say for those who are aware, uh, Nate Costa, the yes, sometime third member of the podcast, and will be back again, is uh, is safe. He and his family did evacuate for some time yesterday. But then the evacuation order lifted, and they were able to go back home. And they were okay. And he's close enough. Yes, they they got out of they they left before the evacuation order came because Nate figured it was coming. That's a good dad, a good husband, and he got his family safe in, in to Burbank. And then the as I say the order came down, and then the order got lifted. They're close enough to Magic Mountain Six Flags that it tells me the Six Flags was probably okay if the Costas were able to return to their to their home. Yep. So, yet I've seen some photographs that just scared the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. And waking up this morning and realizing that 405, which is about 10 miles west of where I am right, right. now, and, and that the Getty was in flames, and I saw people complaining, like, well, they should have closed the road and not let people on it. And I, I thought the Getty was the Getty's safe. The Getty is safe, but it was close. The okay. Skirball, the Skirball Pass is really close to the Getty. That's the name of one of the fires. Is Skirball Fire? The Skirball because of the Skirball Center, the Skirball right, Pass. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if the Skirball Center, which is a great museum and and cultural center, if I assume that is safe because I haven't heard otherwise. It's but, crazy because Debbie and I are going to be down there in January. Uh, down there in right, January, and, right, and the Getty I, was one of the places everyone was saying got to go, got to go to. And, the, and and I agree, it is, uh, assuming that it's there. Still I would there, also yeah. recommend uh, the Autry. Uh, if you haven't been to the Gene Autry Museum, I highly recommend that as well. That's by the L.A. Zoo in Griffith Park, and that was a terrific, terrific experience. And so i, I got to get back to Schilling, man, which is, of course, that once you get these kids, we got very serious. You get these, uh, if you want to help support the cost of the of the podcast and you want to purchase things through Amazon or ThinkGeek, that's great. But if you want to go directly to PayPal, you can at editor at fanboyplanet.com. If you'd like to email and say, would you please stop talking about real world things, uh, <laughs> write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and let us know what you think of what's going on in the podcast or uh, what's going on on the website as well. So once again, everybody's safe at the moment 
it was just a little scary to wake up this morning and see that and people saying, "Oh, you should have closed the tra- they should have closed the roads." And so they did. There were cars trapped mid commute that the freeway 405 got shut down. Yeah. So they had to evacuate people from the road. That was that was just terrible. So um, I've heard another one has popped up uh, in a canyon just uh, about an hour or so ago. That's probably the small one in the south. Yeah. So the Santa Ana winds have just uh, you know whipped things into a frenzy, and it's dry. And uh, you know, in Northern California, we had what a day of rain so far. Yeah. And there's I don't a big high pressure, was... big high pressure zone that's keeping moisture out of the state. Mm-hmm. So we're in trouble again, and we're on fire. Perhaps it is judgment. I don't know. Let's talk nerd stuff, shall we? And let's, feel a little let's, bit better. Let's, please go ahead. Let me go to the top story. We we were speaking before recording about how at the end of October there was the Stanley's L.A. Comic Con, and Stan is going to be up, by the way, of course, at at Silicon Valley Comic Con, health permitting, uh, at the end of March, and so we're very excited about that. I'm seeing he's still making some appearances around the around the country. And that is wonderful, but he did have a Comic-Con of his own, and that was the end of October. And so I get to get a few interviews from there, some great photos and some magnificent, magnificent uh, fresh soda. Uh, first time I'd done real cane sugar, but that's just a whole other story. <laughs> the point is that one of the interviews that I got, our, our friends Mike Wellman uh, our, and Rafael Navarro were there, and Mike Wellman was running the comics pavilion section through his store, The Comic Bug, so... Gave us a little access to some of the creators there. Was Raphael dressed to the nines? Oh, he is always. That is, he is the best dressed man in comics. Yeah. There is just no. There's just no saying. So that's a little teaser because we. W- I do have an interview with Mike and Raphael. That's not for tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it's okay. They know. Uh, but I do. I think on our next podcast we'll probably run that one. Um, and, and and it will sound like Raphael Navarro is dressed to the nines. Uh, Still fairly well-dressed, but just not as well-dressed as Raphael because no one is. Great if it ends there, but then he's suave on top of it. It's like That's that's true. Uh, almost as well-dressed, then, is David Papos, who is the co-creator of Spencer and Locke, which is one of my favorite yep. graphic novels of the year. A four-issue miniseries actually through Action Lab, which was if Frank Miller and Bill Watterson strangely melded their DNAs. You'd get Calvin and Hobbes with Sin City together and you would come up with Spencer and Locke. And just about two months ago, I I believe it was, David announced that Action Lab was going forward with a Spencer and Locke 2. And he, I think he gave us a little bit of a hint of what was going to happen in it in this interview. It's been a while since I conducted it, but I... I at least know that it's going to be worth absolutely picking up Spencer and Locke 2. And he just posted yesterday that he had finished the script for the whole thing. And he's super excited. And then I'm super excited because I thought what a fresh surprise this first one was. I, I, I really can hardly wait for the second. So without further ado, an interview from Matt Stanley's LA Comic Con, David Papos. Hey, we're at Stan Lee's L.A. Comic-Con with David Pepos, who is the writer, let's say, co-creator, let's say, of uh, Spencer and Locke, which is unexpectedly to me one of my favorite graphic novels of the year. Or, Thank or, you so or, much. Or series, I guess, maybe four issues, uh, graphic novel. Uh, I guess because I really did not expect 
you know, I didn't know what to expect with this. Right. So I'm sure a lot of people say that. Yep. Uh, it came out of Action Lab uh, Entertainment. That's not why it was unexpected. But it is kind of this, if Frank Miller and Bill Watterson had a baby, artistically, mm-hmm. uh, it would be spent a lot. Because it's yeah. clearly, if you haven't figured out, Cal- Calvin and Hobbes. So, um, first of all, what drove you to do this? Um, boy, well, you know... Part of it was I, I was reading a lot of comics, and uh, at the time it was around 2014. Uh, a, a lot of things weren't clicking for me at, at the moment, and um, I, I got to the point where I said, "Well, maybe I should put my money where my mouth is." And if I'm not liking what I'm reading, why not put out something that I would like? Um, but for this particular book, um, you know, uh, classic Frank Miller has always been a big influence on me growing up. Uh, Daredevil: The Man Without Fear was the book that made me as a kid realize that there were writers who made these books. And so when I when I wanted to make a book, I wanted my first one to kind of have a, an homage to, to Frank. And uh, so uh, I was thinking, you know, I love mashup music. Things like Nine Inch Nails meets Call Me Baby. Two things that would just you wouldn't expect to go well together going really well. And I thought, what if somebody did that with comics? And so I thought, what's like something that would not go with Frank Miller at all? And I started running through, and a lot of the ideas were kind of shock value, which I didn't want to go through. That you can't get a, a you can't get a, a long lasting relationship with a reader based on shock. And then I thought Calvin and Hobbes, and suddenly the light bulb kind of went off. I thought, you know, um, I was an only child for 10 years before my siblings were born, and I never had an imaginary friend. So I thought, I always thought there was something weird and sinister about why would he need an imaginary friend? And uh, once I sort of clicked with the Frank Miller side, I thought, oh, he must have had quite the upbringing. And that sort of is uh, what got the ball rolling on Spencer and Locke. Yeah, if you don't think it Calvin and Hobbes, he was that bad, mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, yeah. let's just be clarified. Yeah. Although it is interesting because it's very, it's interesting to reread Calvin and Hobbes after reading Spencer Locke. Like, yeah, you're like, what's well, going on there? Well, maybe. Uh, no, it's not that. But, you know, it's, uh, so it, it is very interesting. Have you had, and I saw mm-hmm. that in New York Comic Con you got to meet Frank Miller. I wish. So no, uh, no, what he, happened or, was... Or he has the train. So uh, at Baltimore Comic Con, uh, the, the con organizers were nice enough to uh, slip Frank a copy of the trade. And so, um, so I got the story totally wrong. <laughs> so I, I'm, 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 I hope he likes it. Um, I hope he read it. Uh, but even if he threw it out in the trash, um, I will definitely dine out on that story forever. So uh, Frank has my book, and that's uh, that's huge. I, I, I mean, he's he's been a, a real influence, and I feel like the man has forgotten more how to make comics than I'll ever know. He's a he's a pioneer and a real uh, you know uh, innovator within the medium, and so um, you know. I feel like this book, we really are standing on the shoulders of two artistic giants. And uh, I think that's something we never want to forget. Um, and it's something that I think is, has kind of kept us in check and made sure that we, uh, we we really bring our A game to this book. Yeah, And you are going to do... I, we are I working saw, on a sequel right now. Yeah, I saw a mm-hmm. panel. So, yes. right? So, uh, Spencer... I almost said Calvin and Hobbes, too. Yeah. Spencer and Locke, too. We're very excited about that. Um Jorge is working on issue one right now. Um, I'm about midway through scripting issue three, and uh, yeah, uh, without without giving too much away because it's very early on. I feel like our our, our timeline is probably going to be like fall of 2018. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And that uh, you, so I can't go into too much into plot detail, but uh, it's, in terms of sweeping generalities, I can say um, everything is going to get bigger for Spencer and Locke. And um, people, they're, 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 if people have said, "Oh, well, how could there be a cop with this kind of lingering mental illness?" And that's something we do address in this in this uh, in this sequel. 
And um, if there was one word to describe the first arc, it would be scars. And I think if there's one word to describe the uh, the second arc, it would be consequences. Uh, okay. There, Locke is going to have to fight somebody uh, bigger, stronger, and meaner than he is. And he's going to have to dig in really deep if he's going to want to survive. I think that, that's a leap out. I mean, the, the thing that impressed the heck out of me, the first one, and maybe you remember my review, uh, was that how you managed to touch on almost everything everybody remembers mm-hmm. about God and Given the Dark. The spacemen sniff, the, 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 you know, so I don't think there's anything left. Now it's really all you guys. Well, you know, the thing is, is... Um, I read every single Calvin and Hobbes strip as, as research for this. And so it's so kind of you to say, um, there's more we left on the table. And um, I'm very excited to dig into it. Um, one example that I will give without giving too much away, we really wanted to fit this in for our car chase issue. We couldn't make it work. Uh, was Calvin and his killer bicycle. Okay. And uh, I, we, 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 have, we have found a place for the killer bicycle uh, in the second arc. I'm very happy about that. And, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few little bits and pieces here and there that uh, uh, I was I was bummed out we couldn't fit. And I'm very excited uh, to have in the second arc. And you've been optioned as well, right? We have. We have. We're working with Adrian Iscaria from Prime Universe Films. And uh, he's been really great to work with. Um, he, he feels just as strongly about this property as we do. And uh, so, yeah, we are, we've made very good progress as far as a uh, script is concerned. And um, I'm, I'm very happy with how the story is, is shaping up. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we... we uh, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of news to share at this point. That's but, right. you know, as far as, as names that have been kind of tossed around, it's uh, it's been very exciting. And it's been exciting to kind of be in the room for all this. And I think that's, uh, again, why Adrian has been such a good person to work with, is he, he recognizes that nobody's going to love our book the way that we will. And nobody's going to have more insights about this book than we will. And it's really, we want to do something that is true to the source material while still is a little bit of its own separate thing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but, like, if, if it's a straight page-to-screen adaptation, like, you already know where the plot points are going to go. Oh, and it's not going to work. I mean, exactly. So um, I'm really happy with how it's turning out so far, and uh, I'm really excited to bring this to a, a much wider audience. Yeah. Now let's go back to your publisher. You went yeah. with Action Lab. Yep. Um, so what... How did that pitch go? How did that... I mean, why them? Yeah. Actually, I, I like the publisher. I just, you know. No, actually, it was great. And, um, you know, I had heard great things about the publisher, um, uh, you know, with success stories like Princeless, Stray, and Molly Danger. Um, so I was like, okay, these are three books that I've heard of, three books that looked really good. Um, <laughs> like, okay, like, they, they clearly have something going on. Um, and, you know, it was so funny because... Uh, they got back to us so fast. Uh, we sent them our pitch page, our pitch packet, which is literally just the first six pages and cover of issue one. We didn't change any of it, um, you know. And uh, we sent. I remember sending the email after work one day, and um, I got an email back from uh, Dave Dwanch, who was the creative director, uh, probably within an hour, asking, "Oh, this is really good. Like, um, how soon do you think you would be like finishing this?" So that's when I was like, "Oh, this is like a real thing now." Um, They've been wonderful. I, I feel like not a lot of publishers would have given us the kind of freedom we needed to tell the story. And this is a high wire act. Like, make no mistake about it. This is a book that we really could have fallen on our faces hard if we had a lot of people mucking around with it. So the fact that Action Lab was like, tell your story the way you need to tell it um, was a huge vote of confidence for us. And we're so excited to keep working with them. Um, they have really kind of given us the latitude we needed to make this book a success. 
So, uh, yes, I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep pushing. I, you know, I'd love to do two more arcs. That's kind of the goal uh, in mind. So, uh, you know, if you're listening, you know, tell Action Lab. We love Spencer Lock. We want more of it. Well, I do. I, and I do want more of it. And, right, it's the High Wire Act you guys walked so beautifully. Thank you. What a book. Thank and so I'll, say, I'll say that again. So thank you very much. Of course. Thank you so much. And we appreciate being on. Well, that was really fun, and it was great to finally meet him in person. We had exchanged a little bit online. That's great. So let's get to our comics news. A lot of comics uh, news. Well, yeah. I mean, yes and, and, and no. I think they – did you notice today? I mean, we'll get to what's in the bag, but how DC started their new logo? Yes. Yes, as part of their new age of heroes. And what I thought was funny was now we have to identify which books are going to be carrying that, uh, that trade dress because uh, there are some that I picked up or at least – that don't have it. Right. But I like it because it kind of looks a little bit like like Marvel. Right. Which is just kind of interesting. But I like the idea on the side. It, it seems like a really fresh, it, you know, what, every three or four years, even even more often than they, than they redesign their universe, they seem to redesign the logo lately. And this is probably my favorite out of, out of them all. Well, I did like the previous one. Um, it's on... Uh, the dead man issue this this yes uh, well the previous the one does have, it has that it had that classic look and, we and this, this still well, this still incorporates that classic dc logo but it gives you more more of the um the rectangular box that marvel used to use well yeah it just feels like uh you know the 60s yeah and i, I don't know it feels comforting hmm. at a time we do ironically when they're saying it's part of the new age of heroes so they also released, which some of them we had talked about after Dark Knight Metal, and this is going to go through all of 2018. I think it's funny that we keep going through New Age, through Ages of Heroes, because didn't Marvel do that a few years back? Uh, yeah, it was, boy, that was a few years, that was 10 years ago. Um, has it really been 10 years? Yeah, I think that, it has. That was, it, you're, it was after Secret Invasion, yeah, I think. I think and, that was quite a while ago. But, you know, I, it, it's funny to think about these phases that we go through where, where comics get dark and grim. Yeah. And then they go, oops, we've gotten too dark and grim. And now Let's remember we're heroes. We're again. good guys. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I think that most of the books, like the mainstream ones, uh, or the main books that DC prints that, we're, that we already know all the characters, I think there's, Rebirth has done such a fantastic job of making them optimistic again. And and fun and not so filling me with existential angst as New Fifty Two often kind of did. Yeah, but these all seem rather dark, but potentially fun in what is their the the big new books coming out of this. The Terrifics we've talked about a lot because it's they're a mixed it's, bag i mean the, the, the it's mr terrific it's plastic man metamorpho oh, no i didn't mean the terrifics i mean all, and, the no new i line, understand the new lineup. i understand and whoever wrote the copy i just you know when you look at the eight page preview in the middle of the dc books right now right the description of the terrifics in one paragraph says bound together by something else they are bound inextricably bound and it is so redundant <laughs> in the bounding i Why? just it, it, it's it, and it's in a bounding box, so it's like... it, yes, it, and it's, it's square bound as well. No, I, I don't know, but the Terrifics is the book that I'm looking forward to. You've got these fun characters, and they made it sound dark and grim, and I'm like, no, no. There's a guy. They're led by a man with 
a jacket that says fair play on right, it. Right. It's not dark. This the, is about people inspiring hope. The quote is literally bound together by a tragic accident. But there's a bound above that. There's a sentence above. Uh, bound bound from the dark. Uh, terrifics are bound from the dark multiverse of metal. Yes. So like every sentence has bound in it. And I'm yeah. just... No. Uh, so let's go to the next, which is the Immortal Men, which that was a, you know, that's a concept that's been around for a while in the DC universe from the 60s. Immortal Man was a leader of the Forgotten Heroes. Yeah. I think it's always somehow kind of funny that DC had a group that literally called itself the Forgotten Heroes. Um, right. They should have just called that. They're the DC Legends of Tomorrow. They're called Remember um, Us? The, I mean, let's call it. It's a whole new earth. Um, but that have been there for a long time, fighting uh, for for eons, making sure that uh, history is going correctly. We shall see. There's a the new damage. I kind of liked the I, old I, damage. I, you're, yeah, I do like. I mean, Jim Lee is doing the art on that, and the yes. art the art does look good. Uh, I'm not. I'm not with you. I'm not sold on the concept. Well, Whereas, the other thing with, terrific, with Jim Lee doing. The yeah, Terrifics actually have a, a lighter touch on their drawings. It almost looks like a Mike Alred uh, uh, take on the four characters, but yeah. Well, and as I think if you look back at like the announcement on, on Metal, the other interesting thing is that the push is the master class of artists. And then in the descriptors, then it mentions like who's writing the book. This is all about the artists. Right, oh, no, yeah. and they say that uh, Jim Lee's in a video where they're saying that they're really bringing out the artists as as creators. Right. Well, and we I, and like I say that was when they announced that back months ago. That was that was the thing. I just think it's interesting that it's even to that the point of well, when you throw Jim Lee up there, I go, that's great. But how many times have I been sold a book because Jim Lee's going to draw it? And then the book falls way behind because Jim Lee, is, right. it's like Joe Casada. I mean, and I'm not going to rip on anybody, a guy who draws as detailed as Jim Lee does, but all of his other duties as co-publisher, you know, they don't ha he doesn't have a lot of time to focus on drawing. He just, right. he just doesn't. So right. it's great. I would say the immortal men will probably have three issues by Jim Lee and then the filler artist will step in. Probably. And, yeah. yeah, and that's that's good. So at least look at the first three if you like Jim Lee's art. I'm just not sold on the story yet. And it, damage, tell me what damage is that isn't the Hulk. Uh, damage is uh, the Hulk. Okay. I, <laughs> no, I'm actually, glad. damage. No, what damage is? Damage is the Hulk and Firestorm. Because he the uh, the when he turns into damage, he doesn't have control, but apparently he can still kind of talk to him. So they, they, they had a six-page preview of Damage on the website. and Okay, um, so what is Damage then that is not the, ver the current version of the Demon? You know? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, kind of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying it's, uh, it's, that, it's, it's, it's the Hulk, certainly, uh, but under government control as, as a government agent. And, um, and Well, that was Mark Wade's run on the Hulk. Yeah. That, that's, and it, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting that they were taking – character name that I don't think had ever really gotten huge with people. Yeah. You know, there was a good run with that, with that character in the nineties. And then he came back again. And I think, did he evolve into the human bomb at one point in one of the rewrites? Of oh, 
or he was somehow related to the freedom fighters that way. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I know he got yeah. scarred and they, you know, it's one of those things where they kept trying to tweak this character that was meant to be kind of a fun, easy to identify for kids or for teens anyway. And then they just made him so dark and, and angst filled that it just, it just stopped working and there was no way to fix it. So a new damage does make sense. It's an odd name. It feels very, um, first year image. Yeah, no, uh, this whole thing smacks a first year image to me. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of elements of that. The exception being, I think, the terrifics. That's uh, no, yeah, I, totally, yeah, yeah. The, I'll, I'll throw, I'll put that one aside as that's my prediction of at least that's the one I'm going to keep buying. <laughs> I can't speak for any other book. Oh no, sideways. Couple, I mean, uh, silencer. Sideways. Silencer, silencer John, seems interesting. John Romita Jr. and uh, the whole premise of like it's she's a mom and she's retired, but every now and then she gets pulled back in the assassin line. That's a, that's an Angelina Jolie movie. That's um, sideways. I'm not excited about. Uh, and guy can open portals. He, yeah. It's that's Blink. You know. Um, yeah. New challengers. I guess the, you know what the most disappointing thing about all this is, and I, and I really I don't know why I should have thought. That better is, you got Brian Michael Bendis coming over. Yeah, not one of these books. Oh yeah, is a Bendis book. No, and I think it's because it was already under underway. So I'm I'm disappointed, but it's completely unfair of me to be disappointed. You know, which tells me that what Bendis is going to do is going to be something so you know completely unexpected and different. Because I don't I don't see where anybody wants to change. I, I when Tom King steps away from Batman. I would not envy a single writer who has to follow Tom King right now. No. But I didn't I mean, envy, envy one for Scott Snyder. But Right, right. Uh, and Scott Snyder and Andy Kubert on the Challengers, I, that's the other one that I'm really excited new about. New Challengers, I'm totally down for that one. The Curse of Brimstone, not sure. Yeah. The Unexpected, I can't tell, but yeah. I like that they're going to try another team, and I'm always, you know, I always and try they, to say the new team books. They were selling this as, like, Kirby Magic. So, I mean... That that'll get me to buy a couple issues at least. If it's if they're, I it, what I'm afraid they do of. Do know how to market to you? Yes. That I'm afraid that they're just going to try and knock off the new gods. You know that that the the whole fourth world thing in one book and yeah, who knows? I don't know. And over on the other side, so you know that that that's coming. I I did want to say say that I'm not putting it as right, but now have you read Batman Annual Number Two? Not yet. No. I oh, need, Rick. Okay. I need to sit down quiet with a candle and a brandy. Absolutely. And, no. And yeah. You know what? I, I rarely recommend that and say, but no, this is true. I'm sitting down very quietly with, with some vanilla uh, scotch right now, actually, uh, oh. and and sniffing as we because I realize I don't have to drive anywhere. Unless, <laughs> of course, everything catches on fire. Um, but uh, so uh, I, I totally recommend it. It's still, I've, I've been thinking about it. It's been weighing on me all week. And then I, I just saw panels from today's Batman. I haven't read today's Batman, but with a, a story in which uh, Super Batman is, which yeah, in which basically they double date. And yeah. so I think it was Hannibal Tabu, uh, or maybe Steve Mix posted the panels. But just reading that little sequence, it's like, yes, this is an interesting take that has gotten to the heart of who they both are and what the relationship is. And of course, that Lois Lane and Catwoman should be friends. You know, it's just kind of how is this guy so good at it? And, and 
so yeah, you got to read that. Anyway, let me go to Marvel has got another event coming and I, I made a, I just said the infinity return. They're getting ready for Warlock because of guardians of galaxy three right, right. or Avengers four. I don't know which way, what is the, what is the crossover actually called? Because I know you posted something about it. About, about which, about the Adam Warlock coming back infinity. Oh uh, yeah. I don't remember. There have been so many infinities, Maybe infinity plus. out of titles. I don't know. <laughs> infinity but the point is absurdium. Right after, yes, that's it. Infinity, uh, absurdium, because after we just have this big push from Legacy, Marvel has canceled Guardians of the Galaxy after number 150. So they can put in this Infinity series. And here I'm, we were touting how, how Legacy was the event doing a pretty good job of getting people involved in characters and then what could potentially be their most popular right now because of great movies, then they're just going to cancel. So, I mean, I know that they'll still be floating around and there's a larger storyline at play, but once again, it's like, there's a reason even... we, there's a reason why we couldn't remember the name because it's such an absurd name. It's infinity, it? infinity countdown, which means it's a countdown that never ends until the next one. All right. <laughs> sure. So, that's that, that's really all I have to say about it. I was just frustrated because I've really been enjoying that relaunch, which, of course, they messed up their retailers, by the way, because when they went back to their legacy, that book was actually called All New Guardians of the Galaxy. So it changed where it was on the point of sale cataloging because it went back to Guardians of the Galaxy. So it went from A in, in, in people's stock to G again. And there right. was a week. Of right. silliness, so no, and, yeah, and anyway, and, uh, actually, uh, I think that my dealer put them all with uh, the G. He ignored the A because there are other Guardians of the Galaxy. Which, yeah, I, I am glad, but see, that's right. There's the one based on the animated series is called Marvel Guardians right. of the Galaxy, and that's under G as well. Okay, that's good, but my retailer did not do that. You well, know, so each one was by where it, where it fit. That's in, true. In the sh- shipping That's la- true. label. So anyway, let's um, turn to what's in the back. One, one last thing: uh, Guardians Galaxy one fifty, uh, the Ross Andrew uh, uh, cover. You and your lenticulars, yes. No, 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 no. It's not. I didn't get the lenticular. Uh, the um, I, I just love the fact that it's it's looking like him coming out of the cocoon. It's like a tie tie back to like God. Is this Fantastic Four like sixty? So, I, I, I the re, return rebirth of Adam Warlock, uh, tying it back into the movie too with the with the uh, with the cocoon. So, yeah. All right. And the Tower of, uh, you know, the Mission Breakout. So let's turn to what's in the bag. Ooh. And so I shall ask. I think we, you know, we might have actually previewed a couple. We'll see. What's in your bag, Rick? Um, actually none of mine, I think we talked about, Okay. Uh, so I have four picked just in case you pick one of these in the meantime. So I'm going to start with the one I think you might move most likely to, uh, yeah, that one, um, issue number one of Batman teenage, teenage ninja mutant turtles, mutant ninja turtles, teenage mutant ninja turtles two, um, which you read the first one, right? You're the 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 uh, yeah first yeah. series. I'm I just I read this one 
this afternoon. And I'm even more excited about this this out, outing than I was with the first one. The first one you had like them discovering each other and stuff. And right off of the bat in the first issue of this one, you got uh, Michelangelo feeling bad about himself and wondering how Batman does it. You know, and so he he wants to go off and and seek counseling with uh, Batman, who is joined by Damian Wayne Robin in this issue, which I think is going to be great to have Robin in this along with the Turtles. You got Casey Jones and uh, looks like uh, looks like we've got uh, Bane as well as one of the big bads for this. So, um, you know, we got uh, what's his first name? It's. You got the Roman numeral squad on this one because uh, it's uh, the writer is the writer is James Tyron the fourth the fourth Tynan Tynan, Tynan the fourth, sorry it's yeah. dark here and the art is by Freddie Williams the second so and Williams art is just like this first splash page is just so awesome with the turtles in the in the uh, sewers and you have a you have a, a lead in page which is kind of a a red herring. Um, I won't spoil anything about it other than, yeah, this is, this is just is pure Batman fun. Go out and buy and, it. And, and pure turtles fun, right? For yeah, those yeah, yeah. who like exactly. that, of course it is the darker, slightly darker version of the turtles than the animated that a lot of people probably still are into because, you know, that's how they, they, they got into it from the cartoons, but closer to the current comic turtles too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my uh, first bag book out of the bag would be Big Hero Six Ooh. from Joe's com Joe's Books uh, and also Disney Comics. It's a one shot, but again, I'm looking as we get close to you know the Christmas season books that you can give a kid, and um, that's uh, this is, is one. This is has a few short stories from the animated version of Big Hero Six. It's really not the Marvel version uh, i don't know if they still technically if they're just pretending that those characters don't exist there anymore or not but it has this was let me see the price 4.99 it was a really really well-packed book including sort of like character profiles some of it's in a little bit of a manga style some of it's a little more westernized and in addition to character profile pages the kids would enjoy, there's also a little feature on the animation and how they thought about creating Baymax. And so I, I like that a book like this can spark imagination a lot of different ways. And if you, if you or your kids were into the Disney movie, I was, you know, I, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, I'm still kind of surprised Disney hasn't pushed it harder than they have in, in licensing and so forth. This was a welcome surprise on the stack. Uh, at, at the retailer, and so uh, I recommend this Big Hero Six done and in the style of Disney. That's an IDW book. No, it's a Joe's Comics. They're a Joe's Comics. Most of the Disney movie adaptation stuff is coming from this this company, Joe's Comics. Like you see cinema cinema adaptations where they take basically the Fumetti taking stills from the films, right, and right. doing the stories that way. I. So it was explained to me by paper cuts a while ago, and it's always worth repeating. It's like right now, which is odd to me, but okay, Disney owns a publisher, but <laughs> it's they don't want to put the money in Marvel to perhaps edit a line of Disney comics because even the Magic, uh, what do they call those? The Magic Kingdom books that uh, you know, the Haunted Mansion, the 
Tiki Enchanted Tiki Room. That was the last one. There isn't anything new coming out of that. So uh, Secrets of the uh, uh, of the Weird had come, you know come out of that. So some really good stuff. But so IDW I guess has Uncle Scrooge and like all the Carl Barks kind of characters, the Duckburg stuff. And Joe's Books has those movies, and then Paper Cuts can pick up any of the European material for reprint. So it's just whoever, you know, and they're picking it up by, I guess, storyline by storyline and seeing whoever, you know. So um, it's, it's weird. I can't tell you what the actual strategy is, but what's most important to me is that, okay, there are Disney books on the stands if kids are going to comic shops that they can pick up. So... I recommend this one. Next in your bag. Cool. Um, next in my bag is Legacy tight, legacy Numbering Issue 13, which actually is the standard numbering, of um, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, which uh, takes up the storyline of Peter and Mary Jane, still married, with their daughter, uh, May, who mm-hmm. who has inherited powers of her own? Uh, MJ's uh, powers are scientifically grafted from Peter's, um, which is kind of one of those uh, wah wah things when she uses it too much and Peter doesn't have it. Um, but this is this is a great place to jump on to one of the books that I've I've touted a number of times as being um, this this is more than just a family superhero book. It's a superhero book for families. Um, everyone in my household reads this book, and I, I can't think of anybody who would not be entertained or be upset by what goes on in this book. And you know what drives me nuts about this book? I mean, I, I like it too, yeah. um, and my son likes it, is it is in the face in in publishing of the whole reason that Peter and Mary Jane broke up in the mainstream Marvel universe is because they said that writing about a married character, right. That, that it, 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 that it would Peter. work. Yeah. And yet here it is. We're getting month after month, an excellently told story of Peter Parker as a family man. And it totally works. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I don't know what the sales are compared to the other Spider-Man books, but it's and still going strong. And you got Miles Morales taking up the uh, the the single Spider-Man character. He's now a little Absolutely. bit older too. They've yeah. let him age a little bit. Um, May is eight years older now, and so she's off in college. And Peter is uh, Peter is in this book taking her to college, and then they go off on a, a family trip. And, 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 and this is one that I absolutely recommend gathering in trades, you know, or reading in trades. If now you're at issue 13, jump on here and then go back and get the trades that Marvel has offered. Even the secret wars where they kind of launched that concept of the renew your vows version was great to binge read. I sat down in once in one sitting, read the whole thing and went, that was a great, I wanted more of that. It's another, another thing about this is that it's not only the fact that Peter and MJ didn't get split up, but things didn't happen the way they happened in the Marvel Universe. So, for example, in this book, May is being tutored by Wolverine. And it's Wolverine from the X-Men as he would be today in his standard look. Mm -hmm. And, And, in fact, he's... No longer big Wolverine. He's back to being short Canadian Wolverine because <laughs> he's not as tall as May. Um, you know, we're going to come back to this idea, so that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. My next one, because I, I, 
I have a feeling we might have the same. So I'm going to go to a legacy numbering. Okay. 696. That's it. Captain America. That's it. That's that was my fourth. Yep. And it is because I just don't want people to miss after all the controversy over Secret Empire. Was that even what it was called? I don't know. The bad cap and all the bad publicity that all these people. No, you know, because really, I still, I, I probably, I know I've ranted about this before. I know that three quarters of the people that complained about that plot line never read it. They right. heard about it on Fox oh, News. No. They heard, or, or they read it in the New York Times or USA Today. I'm not right. going to say I don't want to politically profile anybody about it. It was the people read it, read about it, and they weren't reading Captain America. Well, listen, people, you need to be picking up this Captain America legacy book because Mark Wade and Chris Samney have gotten to the heart again of why Captain America is a character that we all have come to love. And I say come to love because I didn't that much. I enjoyed certainly all the Jack Kirby stuff when it was placed in World War II. I've read them on and off over the years. And at its best, it's, you know, honestly in the last 15 years, I think at its best, it, it, it's been when, when Mark Wade was writing it. And with Chris Samney, it is, I, I mentioned with, with the first legacy issue that it feels like you're reading a great thirties or forties adventure comic strip. The newspaper, like it's you know Buzz Sawyer or Captain Easy yeah. or, or or Milton Caniff, but but in some ways with all the modern sense storytelling sensibilities as well. It just this book makes me feel good. The art and, is so clean and and, yeah. and evocative, as you said, Milton Caniff, any of any of those, uh, any of the uh, uh, Terry and the Pirates kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's a it's it really is the hard traveling heroes storyline if the hard traveling heroes really loved America and its people, and which to be fair I, I think they did I, I think, I think they did but they were too, they but just kept on not. running they kept on running into the bad parts of of uh, America yeah. at that time because it was the seventies you know um, yeah yeah no you're quite right but I just can't enough and i don't want people to miss this book at all and if you feel like you already have if it's already been sold out then again this is one of those and every now and then there's one that even though like i can get it on marvel comics unlimited i think when this gets collected into trade i'm gonna have to have that on my shelf yeah so that i can you know i can easily get at it and just and just enjoy again so next in your bag next in my bag is issue number two of hanna-barbera the jetsons and um I think I I spotlighted the first issue of this too. Um, I mean, the yeah. Jetson, this is this is, and we've talked about the fact that this is a re uh, re envisioning of the Jetsons family, and it is core to, again. Core to this book is this is the family. It's not George going off and having an adventure and coming back to what what did what did uh, mm-hmm. what did Elroy get in, tr- in trouble in today? Every member of this family is actively involved in some creative or investigative or active. Uh, in, well, and um, there's a dark plot line going on. I read the first issue just last week. Finally, right. pulled it out. And oh, and it, it goes and, a bit nuts this time. And 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 you find out a little bit about you know we we talked about uh, Judy Jetson kind of being um, involved with whatever the. Uh, whatever the social media aspects of life are these days, but it's in this issue, they take it, they show that it's not quite 
that's not quite true, that she actually is involved in some really kind of interesting art where she takes and records dreams and then recuts them. And um, she, she, it's a creative outlet for her. And so, and, and, um, and Elroy, actually, the funny thing was when I picked this up, the cover has Elroy hanging from a tree um, as things are falling all around him. And at first I thought, oh, Johnny Quest is uh, <laughs> joining the Jetsons for a little for an episode but it's uh, well that would be interesting yes. it, but it's not it's just it's just the way his hair looked and the fact no, that no, he's I in understand. a precarious yeah. situation I think it's interesting is that they tried they tried to have visual cues that reminded you of the show yeah but this is a completely different town again like the Flintstones had been uh, you know with social satire and kind commentary and the Jetsons is this is they've made it almost a almost a hardcore science fiction concept and again, the, the, one of the things about the, uh, the comic is explaining some of the things, like why are the, all the cities up on stilts in the original show? And that's because the oceans have risen, and there, there's a bunch of stuff under the water, and there's things happening under the water. Um, and it, there's, a, there's an involved plot line here. This is, this is a, a, a pretty straightforward science fiction book. It's, it, it's, there's very little jokiness about it and i'm enjoying it a lot yeah yeah no i i uh i'm looking forward to the second issue i cannot believe that you did not choose this one what's that and i'm about to go which is the first issue from dynamite comics of barbarella i didn't see it by mike carey uh who is a writer that i'm doing he's the guy that uh, did lucifer for uh, Vertigo a while ago, and uh, the artist is Keenan Yarar, and it definitely has a European feel. I have not read it yet. It's just I I was kind of myself stunned to discover it to say, whoa, there's this book that looks and it is done in the style of a French graphic album, right? And it's it's uh, I don't know when most recently Barbarella had been there this is not for kids so i opened with a book for kids this one definitely is not and i know there's been talk over the years of reviving it as a film but i think i think this is the right way to go let's just see if people are interested at all in the west or in the united states in in barbarella as a concept and this looks pretty good and and again in in the vein of everything i've ever seen of the original graphic albums the the french comics so barbarella is back it's funny because uh, having read some of those original books, uh, the movie is actually a little more cohesive um, than than the storylines in the original comics. Well, that's all right. Um, so, but I'm I'm actually anticipating this being written even stronger for the modern reader. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's I'm yeah I I, I missed that one. I'll have to go back tomorrow. Well, you know, they are one of those publishers where I think that retail, and I've said this before, it's like there is that problem with all of retail having to depend on people being aware through the Diamond previews what they want. It's very hard to keep on top of that. Oh, no, I, I, I saw this in Diamond. I think I had under my poll list, too. So, yeah, I remember well, seeing Well, you know, the other thing with Diamond is, and so it's not, well, this is a, a cut of Diamond, it, it, no pun intended there is that sometimes some shops get books one week and some don't. Things get shorted, and so it's possible that it may not have arrived at yours, and it's not your shop's possible. Yeah. fault. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen that happen many times at Elusive, and I've seen it happen at Earth, too. And, and so, you know, that's just the, the way 
it is with that one with only one distributor in the game. So let's turn to some movie stuff. It looks like I still have not found the actual actual confirmation, but uh, MSNBC reported. We talked about a few weeks ago the rumor that Disney and Fox had been in talks to uh, for Disney to buy. 20th Century Fox Studios or 21st Century Fox. I'm seeing it referenced both ways. Yeah. And uh, so they said, but that, those talks were dead. It was like everybody got excited and said the talks were dead. And they said, no, now the talks are back on. And that possibly Monday or Tuesday next week, they yeah. will announce that it's happened. So I do have, I'm torn. I, I, I've seen two different sources that say it, it has happened. They just haven't officially announced it. I've written an article. I am ready to post with it. And I'm just like, I just don't know if I can pull the trigger yet because I want it to be real. But on the other hand, I don't want to miss, you know, talking about it. So let's talk about it now. I, I think, I think you got, um, CNBC and Forbes and, um, the LA times all talking about it. It's probably pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm, then I'm after that we are done tonight, I will, I will change the publication date on this and, and push it out. From my understanding, it's everything except for the news and sports parts well, of Fox. Uh, no, no, that's not actually, well, see, that's the problem. I've heard conflicting there is that regional sports apparently are in the package. Not that that yeah, has anything to do with Fanboy Planet, but because apparently that's what ESPN really needs to bolster is because Fox was running several local sports stations or, or I want to call it local. It's regional. So, um, you know, covering statewide kind of stuff. And so I, it's more detailed than I would necessarily be aware. This is one of those moments we, we, we wish I had Nate on tonight because I have a feeling he'd be much more on top of this than I would be because I know he, he follows a lot of sports pretty, pretty regularly, but it does mean, yes, we say that, look, the other thing is that, that this deal, even if it if it's true, well, okay, it is, let's say, it is true. It's not going to be done completely in the next six or seven months. So whatever Fox has on the docket right now that's in the can or close enough to the can, it's going to happen as is. So I would say we're going to have, we're going to get Deadpool 2 as a rated R film. I don't know that we'll see a Deadpool 3. There has been an X-Force announced that would have Deadpool and Cable in it, and the assumption would be that it would be rated R. But Ryan Reynolds tweeted out when the rumor first came out and said, what the fudge is going to happen to Deadpool? And so, you know, there it is, is that it's hard to imagine Disney finding a way in their family brand to release an R-rated film unless, and I've seen somebody suggest this, that that people don't automatically associate Disney and Marvel and maybe Marvel studios can get away with releasing an R rated film. Because I think the nuance between Fox and Disney and Sony owning different characters in Marvel are lost on a huge right. segment of the population yeah. that isn't listening to the fanboy planet podcast. You right. Know, and not to tout out something, I'm just saying there are people that totally get it and grasp go, oh yeah, this is why, because we've occasionally run that chart, like updated who owns the rights to what. This would bring a lot back back in. I do think New Mutants, which is supposed to come out in April, is probably going to be R. They're going for the Bilson Kevin chart for that plot line. There have been hints of the Demon Bear, though nothing but the advertising hints at that for me, but 
there's still rumor that it, that it's, it's the Demon Bear storyline. I failed to mention last week that James Franco has said he plans on being Jamie Madrox, and they want to do an R-rated multiple man movie. So I don't know where those things are. I think the main X-Men, they've said X-Men Dark Phoenix is still scheduled for the end of, the, of 2018. But there was another wrench in it this week. Now to get gossipy, but Brian Singer was not only fired from the Queen biopic, the, you know, the Freddie Mercury story that Rami, Rami Malek is, is starring as Freddie Mercury in, but his production company, Bad Hat Harry, was... Uh, escorted out the, the, they had to move all their stuff off of the Fox lot. So there's not a really good relationship between Fox and Brian Singer right now, and the X-Men movies were about Brian Singer. But here's this chance to kind of clean slate it, which is if the X-Men were to get drawn into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you don't want the X-Men that are associated with Singer. You want almost a new take, my only problem is they have some pretty good young actors that really haven't had a chance to make an impact in the role. And are you going to do, do you really want some, you know, I don't know. Sophie Turner was a pretty good Jean Grey. So you want to continue with a young Jean Grey? It's going to be so, you know, Sophie Turner. Now on the other hand, Marvel through Sony has given us three Spider-Mans in 15 years. Yeah. So, you know, they could completely redo it, but, there's an opportunity to continue with people like James McAvoy. You don't have the old cast. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I put it in this article too, though. I would still bet there's time for a reshoot on Avengers 4 and Hugh Jackman can show up in Avengers 4 and do the killing blow on Thanos. My, and, yeah, maybe. I, I would, I, I, maybe. I, I would say that it's it's probably much more solid to just be an after after credit scene. Oh, I, I suspect that they've been in these talks for a long time. Yeah. And I, I suspect that if they had a plan, I mean, and Justice League is proven, please, you can reshoot a movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? but most Marvel movies don't get reshot that much. I mean, they, they have enough. All you have to do is just throw them in a little bit. And he yeah. has given interviews where he has said, if an Avengers script showed up and the possibility was there for Wolverine to appear in an Avengers movie, he would do it. So yeah. if you were sad, I mean, I think Logan was a great swan song, but I've, I've been thinking for quite some time that the Fox Marvel movies are all alternate universes with with similar characters in common, that X-Men are barely connected right. to each other. Right, right, right. And so it's it's fine. Let it happen. They're, they're much more like uh, Japanese anime with characters that uh, that change from movie to movie and don't change their name or their powers or anything. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that analogy. I'll take that. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm hoping that's true. And then the big thing would be that it's Christmas for Rick, and that they'll <laughs> announce that in 2020, Phase Four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe begins with a Fantastic Four, and more importantly, that by 2018 you can get actual Fantastic Four comics again. So I'd be very happy to see that, and I think that's that's what's going to happen. So yep. it's all spitballing. I don't know how they're going to take control of, of Spider-Man completely, but I'm hoping that'll happen. Meanwhile, the worried about whether he'll be R-rated or not, Ryan Reynolds <laughs> um, has switched to a completely different franchise. Definitely not R-rated. 
I, I'm going to call out Stephanie on this one because she saw it on Twitter earlier tonight and she just looked at me and said, this news makes no sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> that Legendary Entertainment has announced that Ryan Reynolds will be voicing Pikachu in the live-action legendary <laughs> adaptation of... And by legendary, I mean that's the name of the company. I don't yes. mean that. <laughs> yes. It's going to be... It might be good. Uh, of the adaptation of Detective Pikachu, which apparently is a side game in the Pokemon universe in which there is a Pikachu uh-huh. who speaks English and apparently now sounds a lot like Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> he will solve a kidnapping case. Um, that's the alleged plot line. Um, uh, it's it's uh, it's got to be uh, Pikachu with like two samurai swords strapped to his back. Nope, like, nope, nope, no. nope. I've seen nope. an image. No, it's oh, a with trench, the deers, it's a trench stalker. Nope, it's a trench coat and a maybe it is a deer stalker. I'm looking at a picture with uh, Pikachu with a deer stalker cap on. So I thought I saw him with a fedora, but you're probably right. The detective Pikachu makes more sense as a Sherlock Holmes thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, it is. To me, the most improbable news of the day. Thank heavens. Um, <laughs> something that just made me go, "What?" Ryan Reynolds has such breadth uh, in in his representation of the acting form. You know, it's like he's actually a pretty good, pretty good actor. I just think, yes. but the thing is, Ryan Reynolds, and I don't, I don't blame him. Is the Deadpool was the niche of all his movie starness, and that's the and that's the thing when you become a movie actor is. There are a lot of actors who are rewarded for being essentially the same thing over and over. And Ryan Reynolds found early on what it was that people liked about him. But that that guy, you know, that from two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, who did impressions, who had a lot more with that, you know, that there was Ryan Reynolds was um, pretty different. And then there are actually like you know rom coms that I have stumbled across on HBO where, yeah, he's not bad. The movies aren't great, but. He's actually pretty good and compelling, and I, I, I get it, you know. But certainly, this is a, you know, I, he has kids now, so I can totally see that being in Detective Pikachu makes a lot of sense from that of a father's point. He's of got view. a Ben Affleck his way into this role. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame Affleck. I think, I, although Affleck was angry, I think his son wanted to be. Uh, does someone be Spider-Man? Uh, okay. Something like that. Like he, he said on, on Jimmy Kimmel a couple weeks ago. Which I thought was funny. The other improbable thing this week. Oh, so improbable. We're, we're talking about like all these franchises flirting with our ratings. Quentin Tarantino apparently has an idea for a Star Trek movie. And Paramount got so excited they're actually forming a writer's room for it so that he can have a script that he will direct. J.J. Abrams has put him on because J.J. Abrams controls the Star Trek franchise as, as producer and Bad Robot Productions. And uh, so Tarantino, you know, this is a mixed bag. I think it could be really good or just an incredible train wreck. But then so many of the Star Trek movies have been, so I don't know. Will we get an even-numbered Star Trek movie or will we get, <laughs> get an odd number? I don't know. I just like the idea of a Star Trek movie scored by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. With a score curated by him would be... um, Right. It's all like... uh, Writingly good. 
Gene Autry and you know it's a strange little known. Um, no, there'd be a lot of J- there'd be a lot of K-pop. Um, yeah, just kind of what was that? What was the one they used in Kill Bill? The f- six five six seven eights. Right, the five um, six seven eights. I think that was one man. I mean, some really interesting. You know, yes, he has eclectic taste. I got yeah. nothing nothing against the guy's taste. No. I just I'm just it just seems like an odd fit. So it would be it will be interesting to see. Well, uh, I I love the 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 way they got uh, the Beastie Boys into the Star Trek Beyond. Right, mm-hmm, remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the and, same song wasn't it also used in um, in the first Star Trek? Was, was that was, was James? Yeah, that's what young Jim Kirk was listening to when he stole the the car, his stepdad's oh, car. Maybe it was, was yeah, sabotage. Yeah. yeah, which they claim was not a dig at William Shatner, but it is still kind of funny to me because he's infamous for for having an outtake in which he said, you know, he calls it sabotage, and he says, and actually, someone said, Mister Shatner, that's it's sabotage, and he said, no, no, no. You say sabotage. I say sabotage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so suddenly sabotage shows up in the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, we shall see. It's still early news, but everybody's running running with it. And considering how the the reboot has been a mixed bag, the kind of energy that just the whack of Quentin Tarantino coming in on this could be exact. If, if Star Trek became a series of films with auteurs actually taking their view oh, yeah. of Star Trek oh, yeah. with that cast, I would be super excited. M. Night Shyamalan's Star Trek. Give me the, give me the David Lynch Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Just one hour of Klingon opera. John, John Waters' Star Trek. Oh. I will kickstart that right now. <laughs> I want to see the John Waters <laughs> Let's go to odd remakes then on television, uh, which is, of course, I think we I think we did talk about this a few weeks ago, but this is greenlit. That CBS All Access, speaking of Star Trek, is going to move forward with Jordan Peele create, creating a new version of the Twilight Zone, and I think this is finally. It. I was waiting for Star Trek Discovery to have it all before I decided to go ahead and subscribe. So the first season of Discovery or or half season. How are they? Because it's, it's like it's they're on a season break right now. Yeah. A season break, so doing one of that. So it's almost time for me to watch. I've been very assiduously avoiding spoilers, but we're ready for it. Um, that uh, they're adding Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, and I think those those are two. And I'll say this for the streaming services: you need to do what Amazon has decided to do, which is just double down and go. Who's paying for streaming? It's 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 the people that are into the speculative fiction. So absolutely, throw sci-fi, throw throw sci-fi stuff at them that that is enough to get us involved. Because I don't, I just don't know that anybody's doing it for military dramas. I don't know if anybody's the sequel to The Good Wife, The Good Fight has been a, has been on this series, been on CBS All Access. But I don't think that you know, I don't know what it's doing. Apparently, it's a very good series. I didn't watch The Good Wife either. But I don't think that was enough. But Twilight Zone and Star Trek, maybe. Yeah, I totally. I, I mean, I was late to the party on Get Out. Um, and, but I saw that. I saw that you were late to the party. You that, that that movie that movie stayed with me for days after I saw it. You know, it's just like, I, and I and I paid for it twice in the theater. Yeah, and 
um, it's even better a second time. I'm, it, it, it's so brilliant. So, yeah. I mean, we, we knew that. So he's a great creator. And because I know from, from even watching Key and Peele, how he's such a fan of horror. I think he, he's a, a singular mind that would do something really, really interesting with the Twilight Zone that would still feel like the Twilight Zone, but definitely for now. Yeah. And, and have yeah. that kind of the, I mean, we all in our, our halcyon views, uh, we look back and we think of all the good ones and we forget that it's a, which is like Star Trek. There are plenty of bad Star Trek episodes too, but right. uh, there are plenty of Twilight Zones where you're like, this is so predictable. This is bad. But, but when they're great, they're great. And True. it's the same thing with, I think Jordan Peele with us, with, people I'm sure clamoring to write with him and his vision. I think it, it could just be great. Uh, I've said great enough. Mm. Let us, let us move great. to one that I have no idea it is happy debuts tonight on sci-fi. It is the adaptation of Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson's image miniseries about preview uh, looks good. Yes. Yes. And I think they're going to go because they're calling it a series. Um, I think it's going to go far beyond what the, what the original miniseries did. I just love you know Christopher Maloney and Patton Oswalt as the little blue flying horse. Yeah. Happy, uh, they had me at that. Well, I read the miniseries and loved it, so they had me at that. I'm I'm super excited about that show, and of course we're podcasting rather than watching it. But uh, I, w- I will catch up with it th- this week, and we shall see. But on that same note, an odd adaptation, which it was funny because I just had this talk with my daughter. She was she read this novel for college. Really. Just yeah. did it for an English class, uh, science fiction and religion, and sci-fi wants to turn Slaughterhouse Five. Kurt Vonnegut's just one of the most famous of, of Vonnegut's novels um, into a series. It was a film uh, from George Roy Hill back in like I think 1971. Um, very interesting philosophically. Uh, it's one of those novels you read; it just kind of sticks. Oh yeah, I'm not, sure what I f- I'm not sure what I feel about it as a series. I I think I, I will. If it's in the hands of a competent creative team, um, I like the idea of it as a series because it is a big story. I mean, it's 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 huge, and the yeah. If this were sci-fi ten years ago, I would I would be yeah. really skeptical. But with stuff like The Expanse and, you know... But recently, uh, well, an, a, a, an adaptation of a film that should not have worked but did, 12 Monkeys. Yeah. You know, the, I think they got to three seasons with that. And, I think so. And uh, it, it worked. It, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. It, and we're back to what we would say about, about comics and Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. It's not about the concept. It's about having a creator who has an idea, a strong vision that can make it work as something more than what you thought it was going to be. What I, what I, what I really think, especially with Slaughterhouse-Five, um, the, the, movie, the movie was good. I mean, the movie touched on all the points, but you, you need to take time, just like you have to take time reading poetry, right? You don't, don't just blast through poetry. And, and Vonnegut is, his prose is poetry. His, mm-hmm. his stories are poetic. His his uh, callbacks within the stories are epic, and mm-hmm. and the idea that that they could take their time. I mean, you could do a whole a whole the the, the children's the children's crusade part of it. The the whole uh, uh, um, a Dresden part of it, just as one as one mm-hmm. episode uh, by itself 
without any of the other crazy unstuck in time stuff uh, would just be so moving and amazing. So, I mean, you could, I'd really, I would say five, ep- five episodes at least uh, to, to complete that, that, that story. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I, and I do want to say one thing about the Disney Fox merger. It also affects all this in television uh-huh. because then they would get Fox's share of Hulu. Oh, interesting. And I had thought all this conversation when we're talking about Disney's own streaming service, that I thought that they, Disney had initially invested in Hulu and I was right. So, you know, we talk about everything being pulled from Netflix, but if you, if you dig into Hulu, there are a lot of Disney movies available for watching there. Huh. So if they get an even bigger chunk of that service, they've got a springboard, which I think Hulu already does offer Showtime as well. Like you can pay a little extra. Oh no, they do. They, there, there are several, uh, there are several premium channels you can. I don't think add I don't on. think Hulu's is as loaded with premium channels as Amazon is. But um, no, but I, I was looking at Hulu just the other evening. There were like six of them. Okay, so there you are. Marvel is also moving forward, and I, I thought this is this is in our wheelhouse an interesting move, the way it's being formatted. Marvel and Stitcher. See, I promised we were going to talk about, uh, this, about Stitcher. I, 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 re- I recant on that. It's actually there. There's HBO Cinemax and Showtime, and then there's in, in, enhanced cloud DVR, and unlimited screens are are feature add-ons along with the premium add-on channels and and no commercials that rounds it out to six features you can add if you consider the premium add add on uh channels as features so yeah can i move forward with what i started moving forward with all right yes yes thank you that marvel and stitcher i promised that stitcher we brought back in to the conversation and they are teaming for a 10-part podcast through stitcher's premium service that in September will go free once people have paid, you know, the subscribers will have access. And then after it's been out there for a while, we'll become free content on Stitcher. They're teaming for a podcast, a scripted podcast, Wolverine, the long night. And now you and I are both big fans of audio dramas. We were just talking about that, listening to old timey radio dramas. And we love the thrilling adventure hour. Uh, and certainly Big Finish and Marvel and DC both have been contributing or licensing stories to Graphic Audio, which uh, is a U.S.-based company. I think they're out of New York. That you see their CDs at truck stops, uh, <laughs> you know, but they're also they also sell MP3s, at digital downloads of, of their dramas, and they've jumped on too, you know, which I noticed last, last summer at Comic Con that they're doing what Big Finish is. It did, which is they're getting the original stars of shows to be in continuation. So, uh, Graphic Audio has like a, a, a new X Files drama coming yeah. with David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. So, Marvel and Stitcher have teamed to do this 10 part podcast. And this, what I think makes this different and interesting uh, from the other dramas is that they've got reasonable names involved as far as actors. I, I think the Graphic Audio. Does a really good job. I've, I've how do they, say, they call them there? The movie in your mind. Oh yeah, uh, I've listened to a, a few of them. They're really well acted, but they're not actors that I've I've heard of. And that doesn't mean anything other than for this, they're including Richard Armitage, who was Thorin in the Hobbit trilogy, is going to play Logan. 
And I was thinking, he actually would be a... We were talking about getting back to a, to a short Logan. Uh, I know he's not as short as Thorin Oakenshield. He was digitally <laughs> squashed, but he's not a super yeah. tall man. Um, he wouldn't be a bad replacement. Yeah. Uh, for for Wolverine live action, and so it's Richard Armitage, Scott Adsit, who was you know in Thirty Rock, but is also <clears throat> Baymax in Big Hero Six. So it's just a, a night of callbacks. Bob Balaban, who they talk about being at Moonrise Kingdom, but he's also part of Christopher Guest's improv troupe for films and also famously uh, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, so a long-time actor. And one of my favorites, Brian Stokes Mitchell, who is a great Broadway star. So last week you know, I did my impromptu tribute to Raul Julia as, uh, as Don Quixote in Man of La Mancha. Brian Stokes Mitchell did an incredible revival of Man of La Mancha, few years ago so an incredible actor most people probably know him recently for his role recurring role on mr robot so this is this is pretty heavyweight talent for an original i mean let's call it it's a it's just an it's an original audio drama but they're calling it a podcast because everything must be called a podcast now and i think um, i think i think it's kind of it's kind of weird to call it a podcast but i understand why they're doing it because they've done things like serial on NPR as a podcast, but it's a long, long form uh, prose. Right. There are plenty seri- yeah. There are plenty of. Seri- well, what was it again? The Scott. Oh, um, we interviewed him for, at a Baycon. The guy who podcast his novel, and then, oh yeah, Scott says, uh, yeah, oh yeah, thank you. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but the but the funny thing is. Uh, I know I've seen that he writes for graphic audio now. So he has written several uh, dramas for them. So anyway, it's a new form. And I think, as I pointed out on on the website, this is one of those things is we are at this point of, well, I'm sure that more people are going to listen to the podcast than will pick up, that would pick up where in the world is Carmen San Logan, uh, the, you know, the, where's, where's Wolverine thing that's coming up in comics, you know, because we know more people listen to podcasts than read comics. Far more people play video games, far more people play, watch the movies. And so that Marvel has a division called new media. This is a whole new level of yeah. delivery. And there's going to be a day that people are going, Oh, he started in comics because it's just going to be one of those characters like the Lone Ranger. People don't know where the Lone Ranger is. Well, especially as we go into the future and traffic gets worse and worse, we'll spend more time in our car. We need these things. We need audiobooks mm-hmm. to help us pass the time. Scott Sigler. And I was going to say Scott Sigler before, but it sounded wrong. But that was the uh, that's the author who works for Graphic Audio now. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, great guy. We interviewed him. We've yeah. got, you know, great author. And, and that's the point. You know, so um, it is interesting. It's inspiring. We'll see what, what where it goes. I'm, I'm sure it's an experiment. But I'm sure it's an experiment that's going to work. And so it's supposed to come in the spring of 2018, and then it'll be premium on Stitcher, where you can also find the Fanboy Planet podcast. And then it goes free, uh, it, it wide release across all the podcast platforms, which means that iTunes you can download uh, on the fall of 2018. I should say, and- I should correct myself, it doesn't mean it'll be free. This is a wide release across all podcast platforms. That may still be that, like, just means you'll be able to buy it through Google Play and iTunes. 
And since you you mentioned it a couple of times, graphic audio itself it's, it has a lot of stuff beyond what we talked about. I mean, they, they do Marvel and DC uh, novelization adaptations to audio, but they also do a lot of uh, what we used to call men's adventure novels like Deathlands. And, um, well, that's what drives me nuts is that, <laughs> is that really when I go to truck stops, that's what I can find. I can, I, it's rare that I actually see one of the Marvel or DC. Every now and then I do. Because they get picked bought. up a couple because they get purchased. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of Ben's adventure stuff that. You're but good. they're actually their site, their website, and I've gone to their website a couple times. I, um, is set up specifically to you know sell it to you online and download it to your phone, and you got it. You know, it's like you don't actually have to go to that truck stop to get your book. Well, I wasn't necessarily people saying people had to. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you see a lot of things in truck stops that you know. There's a lot of DVDs, Don't eat a lot the of sushi. Do not eat the sushi. Uh, no, I, that is that is, that is the, like the first rule of road safety. But uh, in bad decisions, that's that's high up there. Uh, I never do. So anyway, they've got. Uh, Grant, hey, I'm, I'm browsing. Planet Hulk, Planet Hulk is available on Graphic Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got a couple of original things, uh, storylines that are Marvel that they've kind of cobbled together from other things. Uh, I know there's a. There was a Civil War adaptation, and uh, the D, a couple of the DC ones, I think what they were doing with DC was, which actually I take this back, I think they're doing it with Marvel too, is that there are novels that Marvel and DC both released that most of the time we don't notice because they just sort of happen. And I used to pay careful attention. I just don't have time to anymore. And so they've been adapting a lot of those novels. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy one, which I think is based on the novel uh, a couple of novels that Marvel had released on Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that I have a DC one where it is complete alternate universe with the Demon, the Phantom Stranger, Superman uh, versus Vandal Savage, and Felix Faust. And I can't remember the name of the... Oh, and Jonah Hex is in it. And that's what caught my... It was like, come uh, on, really? Are you going to throw in... How many of my favorite characters that no one would logically put together on a... <laughs> you know, are going to show up in this. And so you had Jonah Hex, the demon and the Phantom Stranger. And I was like, I, I was in. So, um, anyway, th- that is that I'm sure that I will, when I get back to the Bay area, I will look it up and go, ah, oh, yes, of course that title. Well, that's all that uh, we've got for tonight. And I want to make sure that I am safe, but of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, I use a handy-dandy Amazon link if there's something we've talked about tonight that you wish. Um, I don't know. Can you get graphic audio through Amazon? I'd be happy. Uh, yeah, I think I think Amazon might have graphic audio. Oh, no, no, that no, probably be- not because they own Audible. Um, oh, curses. Foiled again. Yeah. All right. Well, find something through Audible that you like, and that, that'll still work, too. All right. Uh, and, of course, Think Geek. So thank you all for listening. I'm Derek McCall, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www. The Great Luke L U K E S K I dot com. <laughs>